Welcome to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about ongoing litigation against Illinois' gun ban, the state's finances, and Illinois crime. I'll then be joined by the Center Square Executive Editor Dan McCaleb to further discuss the news. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Hello, I'm Katherine Mincer, a family farmer raising corn and soybeans in Christian County, Illinois. It might be hard to believe, but 96% of the farms in Illinois are owned and operated by family farmers just like me. Our job is to grow the healthiest, most affordable food around to feed my family and yours. Meet more farmers just like me at www.watchusgrow.org corn. A message from the Illinois Corn Marketing Board. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Illinois' credit rating got upgraded from worst in the country to tying with New Jersey for the worst. The A-minus rating announced by S&P Global Ratings Thursday is for the state's outstanding $27.7 billion general obligation bond debt. Several other debts saw credit rating upgrades. Governor J.B. Pritzker and other statehouse Democrats heralded the news as a sign of their budget management. Democrats say they manage the state's finances without the billions in federal tax funds for COVID-19 relief. Truth in Accounting founder and CEO Sheila Weinberg sees it differently. The amount they borrowed from the Federal Reserve was uh, paid down, and some of the uh, old bills were paid down. That was that was the good news. Um, but again, if you get eight billion dollars, you you can you can look pretty good. Weinberg notes credit rating agency ratings are not an indication of overall finances. It is just a rating on the risk on whether the bonds will get paid. Despite the credit rating upgrade, Weinberg gives Illinois a failing grade. The credit ratings are looking at out for the bondholders, um, you know, and if they, you know, start running short to pay off the bonds, then they will, um, they'll go to the taxpayers to pay those off. So the bondholders will get paid, um, but the, you know, the taxpayers are still on the hook, you know, and that and that's why we started instituting our grading scale, and, and Illinois gets an F for their finances. Truth in Accounting shows nearly $50,000 of state government debt per taxpayer in Illinois. Clear differences are being made by attorneys handling the state-level challenges of Illinois' gun ban. The four different cases in state court all have temporary restraining orders in place. Attorney Thomas DeVore, who has two cases out of Effingham County and one out of White County, motioned with the Illinois Supreme Court to consolidate his cases with a separate case out of Macon County. DeVore publicly raised concerns the Macon County case is advancing too quickly, and he said that's playing into the governor's hands. And that they're running to the Supreme Court so fast is to try to get a quick ruling out of the Supreme Court on a poorly developed case that then would bind our case. Jerry Stocks, who represents State Representative Dan Calkins and others in the Macon County case, said they're taking a facial challenge, different from DeVore's approach. Uh, an adjudication in our matter would not prejudice uh, his efforts on an as-applied challenge. Stocks joined with the Illinois Attorney General in opposing consolidation with other cases out of Effingham and White Counties. Uh, we both opposed it. We opposed it on the basis that we are pursuing matters differently procedurally. Stocks worried that consolidation will lead to a protracted delay in an outcome. DeVore said his efforts requesting subpoenas of those involved in passing the gun ban will help develop the necessary record showing the state's defense citing training as a reason for carving out certain occupations like prison wardens to be exempt from the law is a facade. And we're not talking three or four years. We're talking three or four months to gather the information like we're gathering 
in order to be prepared for the chance that that occurred. A decision by the state's high court on consolidation is forthcoming. Meanwhile, four cases challenging the gun ban in federal court in the Southern District are still pending, a status hearing set for Friday. Murder continues to be a problem for large cities on each side of Illinois. According to new numbers, Andrew Hensel has more. A new report by Wirepoints looks at the total number of homicides in the 75 largest cities in the U.S. The city with the most murders was Chicago, with 697 in 2022. That is up from 500 in 2019. Matt Rosenberg of Wirepoints says Chicago specifically has not done a good job getting these violent criminals off the city streets. Arrest rates are 5% in Chicago. We compiled that from a city database for the year 2022, looking at just the major crimes. It's amazing. Southern Illinoisans are also being affected by the issue. St. Louis ranks second in homicide rates. St. Louis had the second highest rate nationally, 68.2 homicides per 100,000 population after New Orleans. Chicago's 697 murders in 2022 is 181 more than the second most Philadelphia with 516. I'm Andrew Hensel. Those are the top stories from the past week for Illinois. Find more online at americastalking.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, I'll join the Center Square Executive Editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. If you're looking for civil, intellectual conversations with those shaping the future of freedom, try the Future of Freedom podcast with me, Scott Bertram. We speak with leaders across the country in the greater conservative and libertarian movements. In-depth conversations about where the next intellectual battles will happen across the country. It's the Future of Freedom podcast. Find it at americastalking.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. This is the Crosstalk segment. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Joining me today is Greg Bishop, the Center Square's Illinois editor and senior capital reporter. How you doing, Greg? Dan, it is busy as can be with the legislature starting their full spring session. Seems to be in full swing now, so uh, there's a lot for us to talk about. Well, why don't we uh, get right into it then, Greg? Um, a story you've been following for weeks upon weeks now. Before this current session started, Illinois lawmakers passed a ban on more than 170 uh, semi-automatic guns and rifles and capacities of certain sizes. Of course, we've written about lawsuits that have been filed in both state and federal courts challenging the constitutionality of that new ban. Um, Several state courts have already issued temporary restraining orders blocking enforcement against the plaintiffs in those cases. But we had our first federal court decision in the past week. Tell us what that was, Greg. Uh, Friday in Naperville, uh, there was a federal judge, uh, Virginia Kendall, who uh, sided with Naperville and the state of Illinois for their gun and magazine ban, saying it was was constitutional. And uh, this uh, this is the first federal decision on this issue. But what's interesting about the Naperville case was it actually started back in September, just focused on Naperville's gun ban. So uh, it was a a case that was much further along uh, months before the state of Illinois passed the statewide ban. Uh, So ultimately, how we got to this point was case was filed in September. A lot of the court back and forth had already proceeded. And then you have the plaintiffs in that case out of Naperville amending it after the states passed their gun ban. So uh, the case being amended was heard late January, and the judge, after several weeks of contemplating the issues, 
ordered that uh, a temporary restraining order and uh, preliminary injunction would not be granted. Uh, and that uh, is a signal out of the Northern District of Illinois uh, in that particular case. So, again, uh, the first ruling and, of course, the, uh, the the gun control advocates like GPAC, uh, they came out with statements applauding the decision. But a lot of the uh, gun rights groups who have lawsuits in the Southern District of Illinois federal courts, they're saying that this judge, Virginia Kendall, has actually been overturned twice on gun control issues uh, out of Chicago. There was a 2011 case and a 2014 case, both from Rhonda Azell challenging Chicago's ban on gun stores and gun ranges. Uh, the the judge in that case, Virginia Kendall, ruling against Azell, uh, but being overturned two different times uh, in those cases. So a lot of the, the gun rights groups, they, they say that they anticipate that her ruling is going to be overturned on appeal. Uh, but they also have four separate federal cases in the Southern District uh, where there's been some movement there as well, including the judge ordering the state to uh, put out a list for their response of all items banned, not just guns banned, but all items banned, uh, which could get into the minutia of different types of gun parts that might not be allowed to be sold. Uh, and then the state, they requested to delay their response. Um, the, the judge in the Southern Districts denying that request and ordering the state to respond to those four Southern District cases uh, by uh, no later than March 2nd. And uh, actually, we're recording this on Thursday, but Friday uh, midday, there's a, a status hearing in that federal uh, courts room for those four cases in the Southern District. So there's a lot of movement here. And uh, what it's been 45 days or so since uh, Governor Pritzker enacted the gun ban. And Dan, these are just the federal cases, not the state level cases. Right. I was going to say, Greg, I don't know how you keep track of them all. There's several federal cases. There's four state cases. We just talked about the federal cases and what's happened in the past week. Well, it, it, on the state cases, uh, two, di- two different attorneys who brought different lawsuits challenging um, Illinois' new gun gun ban um, in state court. One of them wants to consolidate the cases into a single um, case. The other one is opposed to that. What's going on with the state cases? The first uh, state level case that had a decision on it was in Effingham, and that was brought by former Republican attorney general candidate Thomas DeVore. Uh, He lost to attorney general um, Kwame Raoul. But since then, he's taken up various causes, uh, including uh, having plaintiffs sign up to sue over the gun ban uh, and magazine ban. So he had uh, around, uh, what, 866 different plaintiffs in that first Edwards uh, that first Effingham County case. And then after getting a temporary restraining order on the issue of equal protections, because the bill excludes uh, law enforcement from having to uh, comply with the law, uh, the, the the judges there, they said uh, equal protections are being uh, it's a likelihood that uh, they'll prove equal protections are being violated. The state instantly appealed. But then the appellate court and the uh, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals for Illinois State Court upheld that ruling from the Effingham County judge saying that there's a likelihood uh, the plaintiffs will succeed, that uh, their their rights um, are, are being violated by uh, not having equal protection. 
So after that uh, appellate court uh, made their decision, then you saw uh, a white county court uh, also uh, rule that uh, there's a temporary restraining order. And then there was a case out of Macon County with a different attorney. This one coming from Jerry Stocks, representing state representative Dan Calkins. Very similar arguments, but slightly different. And uh, they also got a temporary restraining order based off of the appellate court decision. And then a separate uh, restraining order issued out of a second uh, Effingham County case that Tom DeVore has. So Tom DeVore has three cases. Uh, attorney Jerry Stocks has one and uh, DeVore uh, publicly saying he is not comfortable with the arguments that Jerry Stocks is making in the Macon County case. So he filed with the Illinois Supreme Court to consolidate those four cases. And in that effort, uh, he's wanting to try to take control of the cases. He worries that Jerry Stocks is going too fast to get to a Illinois Supreme Court ruling and uh, DeVore characterized that as stocks playing into the governor's hands. And he worries that that could uh, negatively impact divorce cases if there's a ruling against the idea of blocking the law. Uh, so divorce trying to consolidate this. And interestingly enough, the Illinois attorney general has actually sided with Jerry Stocks, and they both filed a motion to oppose the idea of consolidating these cases. Uh, so uh, the, 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 the difference of opinion, even among those who oppose the gun ban, how they go about challenging this in the courts, uh, there's some some clear differences that are being made. Uh, and we'll be watching this closely as this all pans out. But uh, still pending is a decision from the Illinois Supreme Court as to whether they're going to consolidate those four state level cases or not consolidate those four state level cases. This, while again, the federal cases, there's still a conversation going on there as to whether to consolidate those four cases. So, uh, Dan, I feel like... Um, I might get my junior law degree after all this is done. What do you think? You certainly have earned it. Definitely keep your head on a swivel on this thing because you're going to be bouncing around from court to court, to federal court, to state court, to one county, to the next county. It's a lot to uh, keep track of, but you're doing a great job. Um, you can read all of Greg Bishop's uh, reports on Illinois' gun ban and the fight to overturn it at the centersquare.com. Let's move on. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who many say is a potential GOP presidential contender, uh, was in Illinois uh, this week, where many say Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker is a potential Democratic presidential candidate. Well, they had a bit of a war of words. Uh, tell us about uh, Governor DeSantis's visit to Illinois this week. So DeSantis visited with uh, police groups up in Elmhurst on uh, Washington's birthday Monday, and uh, he made several other stops across the country. But it seems he's going to some of these uh, areas of the country where it's mainly controlled by Democrats. Uh, and uh, while DeSantis has not officially announced that he is running for president, uh, there's a lot of speculation that he is likely going to announce when not clear. But he did not make any such pronouncements at his stop here in Illinois. What he did talk about, though, was what he said was politicians putting woke political ideology ahead of common sense and public safety. And speaking in front of police groups, he talked about how Florida respects police. They appreciate police giving them a thousand dollar bonus, even trying to recruit police from other states, including Illinois, with a five thousand dollar signing bonus if they go to work for law enforcement in Florida. He also talked about uh, public education and uh, school scholarship programs they have in Florida and his desire to expand school scholarship programs 
programs to law enforcement officers so that they can have school choice in sending their children to a school of their choice. So a lot of different uh, concepts that he talked about. And uh, putting that all on, on a kind of a national stage, uh, using words like woke and, uh, you know, critical of uh, things like equity. Well, Governor J.B. Pritzker, even before uh, Ron DeSantis made his way to Illinois, uh, was critical of DeSantis and his position on certain uh, uh, education uh, curriculum uh, that, that might be being taught in some schools versus others. Uh, essentially, uh, using some, some pretty harsh language that, uh, Pritzker has used. Uh, also other Democrats have used on social media, calling DeSantis racist or a quote coward. Uh, so obviously the, the war of words heating up, even though, uh, DeSantis hasn't announced that he's going to run for president and Governor J.B. Pritzker, who has uh, been speculated as a possible Democratic contender if President Joe Biden doesn't win, uh, or doesn't run again. Um, uh, even Pritzker hasn't announced that he's looking to run for office, but these two seem to be being pitted against each other, uh, in uh, national and now state headlines as, uh, Ron DeSantis made a visit to Illinois. Yeah. We're less than two years from the next, uh, presidential, uh, election in November, 2024. Of course, the primaries will start popping up around the country, um, starting in January of next year. So we're, we're really less than a year from the primaries. We cover all 50 U.S. states. So we've written a lot about Governor DeSantis and what he's doing in Florida, including this recruitment of police officers from other states. He's had some some good success on that. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see just uh, how much all of this uh, continues to build upon itself and uh, when exactly we do get these announcements, because there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of uh, consideration for uh, how Florida performed even during the covid pandemic versus how these other states like Illinois performed during the covid pandemic, uh, comparing educational outcomes, comparing economic outcomes, comparing just taxpayer outcomes. Uh, you know, DeSantis talked about uh, no income tax down in Florida and how wouldn't you like that from Illinois uh, kind of poking at the state. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of these issues are going to come into really clear focus as we get closer to 2024. We've written about this at the Center Square quite a bit over the last several years, talked about it uh, on Illinois in focus uh, at various times. But a new court uh, d- decision uh, sort of bring it, brings it back to light, and that has to do with uh, Illinois' biometric privacy laws among the strictest uh, laws in the country. Uh, White Castle recently um, was in court over uh, alleged violations of Illinois' uh, biometric privacy laws. And now there are some business groups calling for changes to the law because of the outcome of that White Castle case. Tell us about that. So, yeah, the uh, Biometric Information Privacy Act, also known as BIPA, um, more than a million Illinoisans kind of know about this because they got checks from Facebook for uh, the social media company violating the uh, the state's BIPA law. And uh, essentially what uh, Facebook was doing was they were collecting and cataloging individuals unique uh, facial identification and uh, uh, using that against the individual's uh, informed consent. And that's kind of the crux of what the BIPA law is all about. If you're going to use any kind of biometric identifier, fingerprint, face scan, rec- uh, the, the eye scan, or anything along those lines, you need to get written consent. So these uh, social media companies, these tech companies not doing that and complying with the law in Illinois uh, and um, settling. And a lot of money's gone out from Facebook, even Snapchat sent out checks. And I think Google's up next. So you've got these social media companies that are... Uh, 
having rather large settlements, hundreds of millions, if not tens of millions of dollars in settlements. Well, White Castle got uh, snagged up in this as well uh, because they were having their employees clock in and out using their fingerprint. And this is a case that's been going on for for uh, quite some time, getting all the way up to the Illinois Supreme Court, where uh, the they essentially upheld BIPA. But the dissent in the case highlighted how if indeed White Castle's found guilty on all of these counts, it could it could work into a multi-billion dollar uh, uh, fine that they would have to pay. And uh, they say that that's untenable. And you have uh, tort reform groups from across the country and across the state saying that uh, this is just another indication of Illinois being a state that's not friendly to business and could cause some significant uh, economic problems down the road if the BIPA law is not modified or amended. So, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll but, likely be watching that very closely. Yeah, but violations uh, of the BIPA law can can come with $1,000 fines. And essentially what the majority of the Supreme Court um, ruled, even though there was dissent, was that uh, a case could be made or a claim could be made for every single finger scan. So if you're an employee of White Castle, you clock in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that's potentially five violations right there for one single employee in one single Weak, and what these tort reform groups and, and and business small businesses and businesses are saying is, how are you going to be able? To, you're going to put the company the company out of business if um, if every single swipe can sustain a thousand dollar fine. Yeah, it's uh, it's obviously something that uh, I, it might have been an unintended consequence, but uh, will lawmakers address it? I think it's a big question as they are uh, in session through mid-May. Uh, will this be something they bring up? Not sure. But, Dan, there's a ton of other stuff they're going to bring up. And just to touch on in the few moments we have left here, uh, people can find the story about uh, whether or not to allow for non-citizens to vote in school board elections. Something else we're following to see where that goes. Uh, this uh, would allow for the state to uh, designate local school board elections as non-state elections and give people who are in the country um, as undocumented residents the ability to vote in those school board races. So that itself is a, a pretty controversial issue that uh, is going to get a lot of attention uh, and a whole host of other issues that we'll be watching closely right. here with the center square from the Illinois State Capitol. Let's just talk briefly about that, um, uh, that allowing non-citizens to vote in school board um, elections. School board elections, they're not held in a vacuum. When you go to vote for your school boards, you're voting for all kinds of other things. It could be municipal races. It could be countywide um, um, races. So how do you allow non-citizens to vote in school board elections but not vote in the other elections that are all going on at the same time? It's a great question. Uh, and this bill would essentially task the Illinois State Board of Education to create a separate ballot of sorts. Uh, when I talked with the sponsor of this, uh, she said it's really an opening conversation that they're wanting to have. Uh, so it's nothing set in stone, but uh, obviously it's something that uh, they're wanting to advance. Uh, and we'll be watching closely exactly how the mechanics of this 
would work. Essentially, there's been a flood of, of migrants crossing the border, both legally and illegally, since Biden took office. And then, of course, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, Texas being having the widest, the longest border with Mexico, um, has, has been the most affected state um, by this. But then Governor Abbott's been shipping migrants uh, up to Chicago and other blue cities uh, across the country. So there's even there's even more non-citizens, essentially, in Illinois today than there were just two years ago. Greg, I appreciate your insights into all this. Listeners can keep up with all of the stories we talked about and even more at thecentersquare.com. For Greg Bishop, I'm Dan McCaleb. Thank you for listening.